0: If you have your Bibles, I invite you to look with me this morning to the book of Genesis. And most likely this will be a, uh, a two-part message. What does that mean, preacher? Well, that means those of you who are here this Sunday have to come back next Sunday to hear the second part of it, okay? And uh, when we do a second part, we always try to give a little bit of a review. So that means that people who missed it this week... You know, they'll, they'll get a little review plus the additional for next week. But in Genesis chapter 32, and the reason why it'll probably be two parts is because there's, there's information. And, you know, I, sometimes while I get to preaching, I kind of go through things fast. and But I, I don't want to go so fast that um, I leave stuff out. I want to be very deliberate and intentional with the thought that's going to be given today. And so that's why I'm most likely with the content and be divided probably into. But we'll see. We'll see. Y'all hang with me. We'll see. We'll see. But in Genesis chapter 32. Look at verse number 22 to start the passage. It says, and he rose up that night. And took his two wives and two women servants and his eleven sons and passed over the ford Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook. And he sent over that he had. Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him. He touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him, and said, Tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou doest ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And he passed over Penuel, as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. And therefore the children of Israel, eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrank. I'm going to take this passage today that we just read and present a message. Uh, and you'll see in the title, the message is called Battled, Broken, But Blessed. You're going to see all scenarios of that in the passage. Battled, Broken, But Blessed. And I'm going to take this story here from Jacob. And see how the struggles of life, the battles that we face, how God works through situations and circumstances. And there's no doubt there's a battle. There's a battle. Uh, there's, there's no doubt in my mind uh, with the people that are here today that there are battles that are being fought. Most battles some have no clue about, but yet it's a battle. And I want to show you through this that the battles that take place, that there's some, there's some brokenness involved in the battle. And you may be a person today if your life is broken in the battle that you're going through. But I want you to also understand, though you may be battling and though you may be broken right now, you can still be blessed. And we're going to see this through the message today. So I want to be intentional with what I say. I want you to really pay attention for the next few minutes. And let God speak to your heart through the word as we look at this story of Jacob. Father in heaven, thank you. Lord, this privilege that we have To come together today in spirit and truth. Lord, we've sang songs of praise. We've worshipped through the songs. Lord, we've lifted our hearts together in prayer. And Lord, now as we take this time to come to this portion of the service where we focus our hearts and minds on the scriptures. Lord, I pray for every individual under the sound of my voice, whether inside or outside. Lord, that may be going through battles of life. Maybe even feel broken about things. And Lord, help us to see the blessing that comes from You. And so Lord, I pray You take this time make it beneficial to us through Your Word. May the Holy Spirit speak to us in such a manner. And Lord, I thank You for the blessing of the Word of God. And I do pray if there would be one here that does not know You as their Lord and Savior. Lord, that even through the message today that the Holy Spirit would reveal a truth. And make make that need aware that they would come to You by faith and repentance. Forgive me for I fail thee, for we ask these blessings in Christ's name. Amen. There's an old saying that, you know, goes something like this, that uh, in a foxhole you won't find an atheist. In a foxhole you won't find an atheist. what does that mean, preacher? Well, if you're in a foxhole, uh, maybe people today don't know what a foxhole is. But during times of war, uh, back in the olden days, uh, uh, there would be foxholes that would be dug and so forth. And that's the people would uh, get in, the, the soldiers get in the foxholes. And it's kind of like gifts protected. protection. There's a battle going on all around them. And uh, what happens is when a person finds themselves in a, in a foxhole, uh, you may have never paid much attention to God before. But I'll tell you this, a severe crisis in your life has a way... Of getting getting your attention and, and at least turn your thoughts toward God in some way. I mean, there's a lot of people they don't even recognize God until they have a problem in their life. You know, they find themselves in a foxhole. There's a battle going on all around them, and uh, there, there's a time. There, there's we all have times in our life where we feel like we're, we're we're just we're done. I mean, whatever that battle is, you know that we're we're done, and that that happens. And maybe it brings you to a place where you cry out to God and say, God, help me. God, I need you. And the truth is, there's a huge possibility there's people facing that right now. Maybe even in this congregation today. Whether it's a health problem, uh, there's people that are very sick. And unless God intervenes uh, in their life, they know that they're they're in dire condition. There's some, you may be having a a family issue, a, a bad problem within the family. And there may be some that's facing financial hardships. I tell you what, I mean, if you've if you gotten gas lately, you know, uh, things are not as uh, economical as they used to be. If you go try to buy groceries or even anything for that matter, price of things has gone up. Uh, there might be people that's in, in need for work or, or there, there's just there's so much, there's so many things going on. Uh, there might be a loneliness that you're battling, a, a guilt. Uh, there might be bitterness or, or, or anxiety or something in your life and and, or there could be other things that get, that get uh, people get caught up in. I mean, alcohol, drugs, uh, other issues of life, and and whatever the problem is, the the main focus is is you know what you need, and that's God. So whatever foxhole you're in right now, whatever battle that you're fighting, there's a line of people they know what they need, and that's the Lord. Now, here's what's happening in Genesis chapter 32. If you was to study the whole story out, you're going to find that Jacob faced a very difficult crisis. He's going to be returning to Canaan, and he's doing it in obedience to God. But that's going to mean something very difficult. Now, the preacher, he's, he's heading to Canaan, and he's doing what God says. Yeah, but here's a problem. He's going to have to face Esau, his brother. And that's going to be a difficult thing. You see, Esau was somebody that Jacob had cheated 20 years prior to this passage you see what I mean uh, there are some issues that were that were brewing and Jacob didn't know how Esau would receive him and and rightfully so remember they't he couldn't text message somebody you know you couldn't email them and all that you know so he didn't know how, how he was going to be received and, and when uh, Jacob's messengers came back and said that Esau was coming to meet him with 400 men, Jacob froze with fear. And that's kind of where we're going to pick up, you know, where we started reading today. Yeah, Esau he could have easily just 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 wiped everything out that was a value of, of Jacob. I mean, he's bringing four hundred men with him. I mean, he could have wiped out Jacob if he wanted to. And uh, that Jacob knew that. And in the earlier verses, you could I didn't put them in the text, but in the earlier verses, if you read the earlier part of the chapter in verses nine through twelve, you're going to find that. You know, there was a prayer that, that came from Jacob. You know what the prayer was? Basically this. Oh, God, deliver me from Esau. Read it. That's, that's what he said. So he knew the dilemma he was facing, but yet he has to obey God. Are y'all following me? I mean, there's a dilemma that that Jacob's facing. But more important than the, the dilemma he's in, he knows he's got to obey God through this. Even though there's going to be a very difficult circumstance to go through. Now, what Jacob didn't know is what we often don't realize ourselves in situations like this, and that is how God goes about helping us through those things. You see, a lot of you know we, we, that old saying, uh, and it's a good saying. You know, uh, you know, don't, don't. Don't tell God how big, how big your problem is. Tell your problem how big your God is. I mean, that's a wonderful saying. But I want to tell you what. Until you're walking in that path. I mean we can say that saying until we're walking in that path. And then all of a sudden our problem seems bigger than God. Right? That's what Jacob's facing. I mean he knows he's got to do what God said. He knows that. But he doesn't realize how God works and how, how God helps in situations like this, what we have in mind is that God would somehow remove our problem and make our enemy go away. That's what we would want. That's what we that's what we hope for in our vision of things. But we ought to understand God doesn't do it that way. God's answer to Jacob's prayer for protection from Esau was something that we couldn't imagine. You know what that answer to that prayer was? We read about it in our passage. He wrestled with him. Can you imagine that? That the Lord wrestled with Jacob? And that's the answer to the prayer? Yeah. God's answer to Jacob's prayer was, was protection from Esau by wrestling with Jacob until he left him limping as he approached his brother. Now that's kind of unusual. But you got to understand, when they come face to face, Esau's going to see Jacob in a different light now. Jacob's showing up with him because he had this wrestling match with God. It's amazing, isn't it? You see, his plan had been, according to Jacob, that if Esau attacked in one camp, Jacob in the other camp could escape. That's what he had in his mind. That's why he already sent his things over. You read that in the verses? You know, I've sent, sent all the stuff... Yeah, well, he thought, well, maybe he can, you know, if he can get through one side of the camp, he could escape through the other. But now we've got a problem. After that wrestling match with God, Jacob can't run anymore. The Lord touched the hollow of his thigh. And he, the Bible says he kind of basically put it out of joint. Have you ever had something out of joint? You know what happens when something gets out of joint? It hurts. Uh, best I know, I've never had any broken bones. Thank the Lord. And I pray that just because I said that, don't mean I'm going to have one today. But I I had some things out of joint before. Now, I don't know how bad a broken bone feels, but I've been told that something out of joint, joint hurts just as bad or worse than a broken bone. Out of joint. And then the thing, every step he took from that point on, he had a limp. There was some pain there in that hip. I've had hip problems now going on two years, and, and some days are, are worse than others, or some weeks for that. But this week, I've had a, I have had a—I just had a bad week with my hip. And uh, when I went to the doctor uh, previously about it, he didn't want to do any kind of surgery because I was young, or too young for the surgery, and I understand that. And so the recommended thing is lose weight. You know, whatever you got wrong with you, lose weight. Lose weight. Lose weight. Lose weight. It's hard to exercise and lose weight and when you're in pain and can't hardly move. You know what I'm saying? Well, cut back. Some of us, we can skip as many meals as we want, but if we smell something, we're going to gain 15 pounds. Huh? But that limp is going to change Jacob's life. What does that mean for us? Well, now... Jacob, he couldn't run from Esau if he wanted to. What, so what does that mean? He Now he's totally dependent on the Lord. For when that meeting with Esau comes, Jacob, there's no backup plan. There's no scheming of his own. There's nothing else he can do. He's at a weak state. He's totally, you, you got to listen to this, he's totally dependent upon God in his situation now. You see, the way that God helps us Is by breaking us of our own self dependence so that we can totally lean on Him. Are you with me today? We're going to see that in the text. In that context, we can properly receive the blessings from God. Our problem is, just like Jacob's, is that we're too, it's way too often that we want to use God and His blessings to further our own means. All his life, Jacob had been using God and people to get what he wanted for himself. I mean, think about his name, subplanner, schemer, conniver. That's what Jacob's name means. And all his life, that's what he did. He used people. But now, God brings Jacob to see that you don't use God, you submit to him. You submit to him. When we submit to God, that's when we can get blessed. We can't be blessed if we don't submit ourselves to God. And God does that. He must break us of our own self-dependence so that He can bless us as we cling to Him in our brokenness. And we see that in the verses that we read. We have to realize something today that brokenness is the path to blessings. Brokenness is the path to blessings. Before God can use a person greatly, He's got to break them. Boy, went no amen. There was it? a very little, very weak. Before God can use a person greatly, he must break them. What does that mean, preacher? Think about this. We all have a built-in, just a, a built-in dependency to trust in ourselves. Matter of fact, we're all guilty of trying to fix things ourselves rather than letting God fix things. We don't depend on God like we should. And so God steps on the scene and says, You know what? I'm going to have to break you so that you quit trying and let me. Let me give you the first thought for the day. And that's simply this. God must break us of our self-dependence. God must break us of our self-dependence. Now, in, this, in the verses we read, God's wrestling match with Jacob was not a dream or a vision. Okay? Visions don't leave a man with a crippled hip. Uh, let me say that. Visions don't leave a man with a crippled hip. This was a literal wrestling match that Jacob had with the Lord. Are you all with me? I mean, This is not a vision of a ladder coming down and angels ascending on a ladder. It's not a dream that he had. This really, This is an event that took place. It was a physical fight. there was physical injury inflicted upon Jacob, and yet there was obvious a, a very uh, a spiritual lesson that that impressed upon him through that experience. It was something that he'd never forget and in doing so we, we it's been i, I can 't imagine i mean Jacob' was already in a terrified state, not knowing what, how Esau was going to receive him he 's already uh, nervous about all that. And he already sent ahead the elaborate gifts and, and and all the animals and so forth. And then he tries to bed down for the night, but he couldn't sleep. So he's going to wake up his family and move them across the fort of of, of Jabbok. And, and then Jacob, he goes back and he's going to kind of make a final check before he tries to get some rest. And suddenly out of the dark, a hand grabbed a hold of Jacob. And I'm not talking about... This is, we're, we're not trying to tell ghost stories here. I'm talking about he knew Esau was somewhere. You get that? He knew Esau was somewhere. He knew Esau had 400 men. Okay? And he, he's here he is. He's trying to get ready to, to, to bed down for the night. Can you imagine that? He, he'd already sent everybody over, his family away. Everything's dark. He's trying to make sure everything's good. He's going to try to get a little rest. And all of a sudden, somebody grabs him. Who was it? Was it a bandit trying to rob him? Was it maybe one of Esau's men that was going to kill him? Jacob didn't know, but all those things were very well could have been. So what does he do? Jacob starts wrestling with him. You saw it in the verses. He, he don't know who the person is, but he, he, he's got to believe that it's something to do with Esau, or maybe Esau himself. And so he starts wrestling aggressively. And notice how he's, he's struggling for his very... This is a fight for life. Because in his mind, whoever it is is going to kill him. He's not going to let go. We need to be very clear who the aggressor was here. It was God. It was God. All Jacob was doing was defending himself. Can y'all, y'all see that picture in your mind? Jacob had no idea it was going to be the Lord coming after him. He's thinking this is Esau. He's thinking he's being attacked. So he's defending himself. Jacob, he wasn't laying hold of God to gain something from him. He wasn't trying to use God like he had done before because he has no clue that this is God. God was laying hold of Jacob to gain something from him. Think about that. And what is he trying to do? He's trying to bring Jacob to a place of of, to let go of his self-dependence and start relying upon God. All his life, Jacob had thought that Esau and Laban were his adversaries. Study the life of Jacob. Remember what happened with Laban? Remember that? Remember the story of Jacob? Uh, Remember what happened with his wife and everything? Remember the trickery there? I mean, all of that. Well, he he thinks there's some kind of of an, of an adversary. He struggled and schemed to get the blessings he thought these men were taking from him. You ever feel that way? People taking stuff from you. And, 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 you know, we get in our flesh and we get emotional about things. He thinks about all that. But at some point in this struggle, in the passage that you read, he discovers to not only just his surprise, but his horror that none other... Then the person he wrestled was God. Can you imagine that? He's thinking the whole time as Esau or one of Esau's men. Then he finds out he's wrestling with God. Can you imagine that thought process? God is wrestling with Jacob, but he, here's the point Jacob was actually his own opponent. His own opponent. But God had to wrestle him into submission. To reveal this to Him. We're all like Jacob. Are you with me today? I want to be very deliberate. We're all like Jacob at some point. We think that the, the, the enemy, uh, the, the problem is out there and whatever that might be. I mean, It could be different things for different people. Whether I mention financial problems, uh, uh, there could be family uh, issues, or it could be a work situation, poor circumstances in life. And, and you know what Our prayer is, God, please take care of this problem for me. Whatever that problem might be to whoever it is. But see, it's not always that the enemy, or that problem, whatever it is, it's not always that that that's what it is primarily. You know what the problem sometimes is? Anybody have a wild guess? Ourself, our flesh, our sinful nature that we allow to dominate our life. So God has to reveal to us The power of our own flesh before we can be delivered from it. There's a lot of people that they're so, they're sucked into the power of the flesh that they don't even realize what kind of grip the power of the flesh has on them. And so God has to wrestle you and and to, to make you aware of how strong your flesh really is. I don't even think we really realize how strong our flesh is. Don't trust yourself with your flesh. Don't do that. Don't compromise yourself in your flesh. You're going to find out that, you might, that your spirit might not be as strong as it should be. Because the flesh is very powerful. Would you remember this today? God's breaking process reveals to us the power of our flesh. Let me say it again. God's breaking process. Now, what was the breaking process with Jacob? The Lord wrestled with him. And in that process, it's going to reveal how powerful the flesh is. Now, we know, obviously... The Lord could have crippled Jacob without even without even touching him. He could have spoken, it and it would have happened. That's how powerful God is. And and being they when God went along with this wrestling. I mean, it, it was no contest. I mean, at the very moment the Lord at any time could have broke Jacob in had. We know that it wasn't. It wasn't to show how weak God is at all. The point was to to reveal to Jacob how strong his flesh is and how we don't want to let go of things. When he finally wanted to, and it was when God wanted to, he touched Jacob's hip and Jacob felt excruciating pain as his hip was wrenched by the touch of God. Why didn't God do it sooner? Why did he allow this match to go on all night long? It was an all-night match, by the way, all the way to the breaking of day. God wanted to show Jacob the power of Jacob's own self-will. If you've ever tangled up with people grappling and wrestling, or I mean, even through football, during, going through the drills, it can become very exhausting just over a few minutes. When you're just, I mean, they wouldn't high in each other and playing patty cake. I mean, they're, they're grappling. There's energy being exerted. There's strength being exerted. I mean, Jacob, you gotta remember, I mean, he is exerting all of his energy and flesh in this wrestling match with the Lord. We know, uh, if you just grapple up and struggle a little bit, you can burn some, 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 some exhaustion there, your energy and so forth. But this is going to take place all night long. Does that not tell you how strong Jacob was? That tells me how strong he was. All night long, God wanted to show Jacob the power of his own self-will. Jacob kept at it all night. The Lord kept waiting to see if Jacob would surrender. But guess what? Jacob kept fighting. At what point do you suppose that Jacob recognized that his opponent was not just a mere man? Uh, When you read down in verse number 30... And Jacob called the name of the place uh, Penel, for I have seen God face to face. Notice that he recognized it was God who he had wrestled with. Now, with that being said, you, you, you think of the point when he acknowledged God. I, I don't know for sure at what exact point. The, the text doesn't tell us that, but we know it's somewhere in that timeline. And I'm sure that if he didn't know before, Jacob knew as soon as the Lord crippled him, that it was the Lord. The Lord didn't use that power though until He saw that Jacob would not yield. Uh, when I read in verse number twenty-five, and when He saw, this is you know, in the, the thing about the reading here when we went through the passage, it was He said this, He said this, He saw this. Did you, you, you see that? But you got to understand the back and forth between God and Jacob. You know, He said, He said. That, that's that's the conversation between God and Jacob. Now notice in verse twenty-five, and when when He saw, that's something about God. When God saw. That he prevailed not against him. The him is Jacob. That he, that's God. Notice, uh, he touched the hollow of his thigh. Jacob's thigh. So when God saw, after all this time, that Jacob's not giving up. Then God touched the hollow of his thigh. Now, the Lord, when he touches us, we're going to know it. Now, you can wrestle with God just like Jacob did. You can wrestle and you can put up a pretty good struggle. But at any given moment, when God's ready to break us, just like that, he can touch us. He can touch us. Uh, you, you see all this taking place. And, and, and to he, God is revealing to Jacob how strong his self-will really is. I want us to know whether it's a physical strength. And there's some people that are pretty strong. But I mean... Our self-will is what he's trying to point out here. Our self-will is very strong. Are you listening to me? Our self-will as a human being is very powerful. And and, and technically, in a lot of ways, we can almost do whatever we want to do just by our self-will. We can will ourselves to do something. Self-will can carry you a long ways. But there comes a time in your life, are you listening to me? There comes a time where your self-will is going to come to an end. And you're going to have to depend on God. That's where the Lord had to get Jacob to. And we get here, we read through this, and the Lord asks him a question, which at first doesn't really seem to fit the context. But Jacob is finally subdued, and he clings to the Lord. And notice in verse 27. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. So God asked Jacob a question. Now God asked Jacob, what's your name? Can I remind us of something? The Lord is never going to ask a question to gain information for himself. He already knows. He's not asking this question because he don't know who he's wrestling with. No, he knows. But think about this. God knew the answer, but He wanted Jacob to confess not just his name, but his character, because he had to say, "My name is Jacob." And we got to remember, back in those days, especially in the Old Testament times, that every name carried a meaning with it. And basically, people they would the names that were given were they, not just because it was a pretty name, because the, it had a meaning to the name. Remember what Jacob's name meant? It meant schemer, subplanner, conniver. So when God asked him, hey, what's your name? He's doing that to get Jacob to realize in his confession of his name. I'm the subplanner. I'm the conniver. I'm the schemer. Only after Jacob acknowledged who he was. Could the Lord bless him? Mm. Part of that process of knowing God is also going to involve knowing us. Until God reveals the power of our sinful nature to us, we tend to think that we're not so bad. I can handle, that. I'm not so bad, I'm a pretty good person. I was raised in church and, and I, I've always known that I was a sinner. But I'm not too bad of a sinner. I'm not that terrible. Matter of fact, as far as sinners go, I, I'm a pretty good sinner. But we've got to get to a point where we understand it's not just saying I'm a good sinner or I'm a bad sinner or I'm okay and I'm not that bad. We've got to get to a point where we understand that no matter who we are, we Have to have God. And salvation is of the Lord. We've got to get to that point. Only after Jacob acknowledged who he was could God bless him. There's a verse, you can look at it in Romans chapter 7, verse number 18. And Paul, he's going to be very candid. And and he's going to say that he knows that that, that in my flesh, and that's where our self-will is, by the way, is in our flesh. But he said, I know that within me, that is in my fa- flesh, dwelleth no good thing. That's what, that's what it says about the flesh. Oh, your self-will can be pretty strong. But there's nothing good about our flesh. <clears throat> Until the Lord reveals to us who we are, essentially. And I'm going to tell you, it may be an all-night wrestling match. And I'm not talking about a literal Struggle all night long, but I'm talking about in the process of our life, there might have to be many struggles we have to go through. But God's only allowing us to go through those struggles so that He can identify or help us see who we really are, help us to realize how self dependent we really are, how strong our self will really is. And God has to allow us to be battled. Those battles of life that we go through, those things that hit us and and we don't understand it, but yet we're so self-willed and we depend on ourselves more than we do God. It's a battle. God's breaking process reveals the power of our flesh. But let me give you one more and we're going to cut it off. And I I really would like for you to come back next week so we can finish this, but let me give you one more. Not only does God's breaking process reveal the power of our flesh. I'm going to tell you, your flesh is probably more powerful than you give it credit for. Very strong. Very self-willed. But God's breaking process also reveals to us the power of God. The power of God. You see, before the Lord touched Jacob and crippled him, Jacob probably thought that the fight was evenly matched when he thought he was just fighting a man. Because Jacob, he wouldn't let go. I mean, he's he's given up a pretty strong fight the whole way. He didn't know at that point that he's fighting God. He's probably thinking, you know, that this is a pretty strong guy, but it's a probably a pretty even match. But in the smallest of touches, in one swift moment, and just something so swiftly, the Lord wiped out Jacob. Just like that. Suddenly, Jacob saw that God was the lion and Jacob was the mouse. God had just been toying with him, playing with him, trying to get him to a point. Can I say this? Until God breaks us to the point that we walk with the limp, we have a tendency to view him not in the right way, but in the improper way of just some old grandfather Sitting on a rocking chair up in heaven with a long white beard and long hair and this, that, and the other. and That's how we see God. God, somebody, He's nice to have around, but He's really not that strong. But until that time, we view obedience to God. When we see God in that way, who cares if we obey God or not? I mean, He's just just an old granddaddy up in a rocking chair in heaven. That's the improper view. We've got to understand that God is sovereign over all things. Oh, but we're in control. We're directing things. We're we're self-willed. We've got a hold of the matter. We we've got it in control. No, you don't. You know what happens when you think you have things in control? That's how quick you can be broken. You can be broken. Listen, we choose our careers, we choose our lifestyles, we. We choose our schedules. We make our calendars. And we, we do all that centered around what will make us happy. God, hey, He's a nice, harmless grandfather. And all He wants us is to be happy. And, he, and if we ever need Him, He'll be there for us. But then you know what happens? Then the lion roars. And just in one easy, soft swipe, He cripples us. And every plan that you ever made... Every direction you ever tried to make for yourself, just like that. We recognize the awesome power of God. And we learn that obedience to Him is not just an option. It's our very reason for our course of action. So in closing, let me say this today. Really, we just we talked about the battle and a little bit about the brokenness. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt in a crowd this size, there's somebody here going through a battle and it's a battle that you wouldn't have planned for yourself. It's a battle that it's a map, a course that you never would have charted for yourself. but it's a battle. I want you to understand your self-will is strong and it can take you a long ways, but you're only going to go so far until the Lord touches you. you need to recognize your dependence upon him. That's by our heads if you would. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, no one's looking around don't want to embarrass nobody. Please, would you help me with that? No one looking around. I don't want to embarrass nobody. But I need people today that want some help. I need to see people today that know that though their life is broken, there's a God who wants to help them. And I want to pray for you specifically today. So with no one looking around, you say, preacher, I'm in a battle right now. I'm in a battle. And I've, I've wrestled with it. I, my self-will is very strong Look, I know, I know I need God's help. If you're like that today, would you slip your hand up? Let me pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Wow. Hands went up all over the place. Thank you. I see the hand. You put your hand up. Listen, the message speaks for itself. You can wrestle and wrestle and wrestle and wrestle and wrestle. But you got to get to a point where you start wrestling and give it to God. If you have a need, and I saw several hands. Now listen, we're not going to hog tie you, but you need to make a point in your life where you get with God. And this is a time where we give an invitation. If God, if the Holy Spirit convicts you through this sermon, this is an opportunity for you to respond. And come to God. Give it to Him. Father in Heaven, thank You for Your Word. Lord, I believe there's people that needed help today that maybe the Word of God spoke to them. And I pray, Lord, they get the help through your power. They you leave out of here with a, a victory in their heart. And Lord, if there'd be one here that's lost today, I pray that they'd come to you in faith and repentant for salvation. Bless this time for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand our feet